This is your Friday Daily Delivery. I am Michael Rand, bonus edition. I think on Monday's show with Patrick Royce, I said no show on Friday. I am a liar. There is a show. It is Friday right now. It's a bonus show, though, because there's no real live content in it. Recorded this a couple days early. Had a good interview with Phil Miller, who covers the Twins for the Star Tribune, and wanted to share that with you. Didn't really fit into any of the other week's episodes, which were all getting long. So much happening right now. So let's uh, let's run this with Phil, and then I'll add some context after we are done. Happy to be joined today on Daily Delivery by Phil Miller. Covers the Twins for the Star Tribune. And admittedly, we haven't talked a ton of Twins since the offseason ended, since the offseason started, say since the season ended uh, six, seven weeks ago. But there hasn't been a ton going on. This is a weird offseason, Phil. There, you know, we're anticipating some sort of stoppage to everything in about a week as they try to figure out a new labor negotiation. Um, interesting offseason for the Twins, though, and you had a piece this week on kind of where they stand with their payroll, catching up a little bit on some of their offseason news with, you know, coaching staff, turnover, hires and whatnot. So maybe let's start with the, 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 the staff stuff and we'll get into the payroll stuff here in a minute. But no, they, they hired a new hitting coach. They've got a bench coach now. Um, what do we what do we think of? some of the moves they've made and from what you and I talked about before we started recording uh, moves maybe yet to come still too. Well, it was pretty interesting how young their hires are uh, considering they already have, uh, I, I think Rocco is still the youngest manager in the big leagues. If not, he's uh, still in one of the two or three youngest. Uh, and they hired a, uh, a hitting coach who is eight years younger than Rocco and, uh, younger than a few of the players themselves. Uh, and they hired a bench coach who is basically the same age as Rocco and has about the same amount of experience uh, managing in the big leagues as he does. Uh, Jace Tingler is, was an interesting uh, hire given that uh, he was manager of the team that had the sort of outlook that the twins had hoped they would have a uh, team full of prospects up and coming, going to be an exciting year. It kind of fell flat, and and San Diego let him go in order to hire a, a much more veteran manager. Uh, but the Twins added him, and uh, I, I think that that experience is a good good fit for Rocco. Although, you know, Rocco is entering his fourth year as managing the Twins, so I don't know that experience plays into it much anymore. He has uh, that experience. Uh, someone who does not have much experience is David. Uh, Hopkins, the new uh, hitting coach, uh, taken out of the uh, Dodgers system where a lot of smart teams are are looking for uh, coaching uh, hires. Uh, a guy that never got above double A in his own career, but devoted himself to the scientific study, the the cutting edge uh, study that uh, all the all the uh, stat track and uh, all the other uh, radar based um, information gathering, uh, tools bring, they uh, bring to teams. Now, uh, it was interesting when they hired him, uh, uh, Derek Falvey said to me, you know, we got guys coming into the program now after we draft them and from other organizations that say that, that are used to using all these things in college. Most, most major colleges have 
uh, all the analytics stuff that uh, that big league teams uh, should have. And he said, we wanted to have somebody who can speak that language and can work with them. And, uh, you know, there's a new uh, new brand of ball player who comes in already uh, used to um, looking at detailed analytic uh, and video uh, tracking of his swing and making adjustments that way. So it's a couple of interesting hires and kind of, as you alluded to, they're not done making hires. So what would the, what else would they have to add? Cause it feels like most of the on field staff at least seems pretty well sorted out, doesn't it? It does. Uh, and this is another new thing that, uh, that teams are doing. They are adding to the coaching staff, but these are not on field coaches. In fact, uh, they are limited to the number of coaches they can have in the dugout, but, um, they've seen how teams like the Dodgers and giants have, uh, additional coaches, you know, as, as it was described to me, the coaches have a workload. It sometimes doesn't seem like it, but coaches do work with individual players off the field. Now we're adding all the analytics stuff, uh, you know, all the off field before the game, before batting practice starts. Uh, and, and you need somebody to handle that. And, uh, they are going to add, I would guess at least one and maybe a second hitting coach, but uh, one that won't be in the dugout, um, one that will be on the field for batting practice and working in the cages and uh, going over uh, the videotape and working with uh, players as they uh, as they work on their swing. It's interesting, you know, that all this happened to uh, pitching about five years ago when, uh, you know, when it got down to how you move your wrist and what uh, angle your arm comes at. And, and now hitters are uh, becoming very aware of the science of, uh, of their swing. And the, the twins are hoping to provide resources so uh, their hitters can have the benefit of that. Take a playcation to Mystic Lake for 24-7 gaming, fun restaurants and bars, and luxurious hotel rooms. And join Club M to bask in the rewards. Follow the lights to Mystic Lake, where every day is play day. That seems like a lower budget way to improve from within. But now let's get into some payroll stuff. Interesting what you wrote. Um, you know, sounds like the payroll could be around 125 million this year. Again, a lot of what gets sorted out in the offseason will have something to do with that, what the economic landscape looks like coming out of this and you know, coming out of two seasons um, impacted by by COVID, certainly 2020 and a little bit of 2021 as well. Um, but, you know, as, as you think about their, their roster, they, they've got some payroll flexibility, as we like to say, um, Josh Donaldson eats up a pretty good chunk of it at 21 million, kind of like Joe Maurer used to back in the, uh, the good old days of everybody being upset with Maurer's contract, but you know, they, they're going to have, you know, after they're done paying minimum guys and after they've kind of settled all their arbitration, they're going to have some opportunities to you know, add some impact players in your estimation, how much do you think they'll do there in, in free agency in particular? And, and how, how big of a pool can they swim in there? Oh, well, uh, for one thing, I wouldn't discount the fact that they're keeping the payroll the same, uh, that, that it, it sounds like they are willing to spend at least as much as they spent last year. Uh, and you have to remember, uh, this is coming off a season, uh, 2020 when they didn't sell a ticket and 2021 when they sold fewer than half as many uh, tickets as they uh, as they once did when they moved into target field so 
there was some thought about some question about whether or not they were willing to uh, spend to the usual level of payroll. Uh, you know, uh, you look at teams like the Reds, teams like the A's have made it pretty clear that uh, they're not willing to spend, that they, uh, that they need to get their uh, profit margins back where they were uh, pre-pandemic. And so uh, I don't know that the anyone was expecting the Twins to slash payroll, but honestly, uh, would it have surprised you if they had uh, shot for, uh, you know, cutting 20 million or so? Uh, apparently they're not though. So uh, off we go into free agency. I don't, I don't sense that free agency is the route that the twins are going to go for the, for um, the most notable players they acquire uh, this off season. I, I think they would like to swim in the deep end with, uh, with some of the uh, better teams in the league. I, you know, they would like to sign a Max Scherzer. They would like to, uh, spend for uh, Kevin Gaussman. Uh, you know, Robbie Ray just won the uh, Cy Young Award. He's on the market. But I don't know that, uh, that they think, for one thing, free agent contracts are generally four, five, six years. And I'm not sure this organization is sold on that being uh, um, the way to go. Just witness, uh, you know, uh, their trade of Jose Barreos, who immediately signed uh, a six-year contract. Um, I, I do think that they are looking for uh, trades. I, I think that they see their farm system as um, well-stocked with pitching prospects and uh, a few outfield prospects. And I think that uh, that is where they're going to try to spend their money with some players that are under contract uh, that uh, might uh, maybe don't commit them uh, so far down the line. That's a good point. And the Burrios thing was interesting. And I was going to bring it up. You know, he signs that long-term deal for close to $20 million a season. And if the twins go into the market now and do something similar, say they sign someone like a Marcus Stroman or something like that. And again, that's say, not to say they're going to, and it sounds like that might not be their preferred route, but what Burrios's deal, what, what do you think that says ultimately about what they thought of what they think of long-term pitching and what they think of Barrios in particular. Well, it's easy to conflate uh, what they think of him versus what the circumstances were. And honestly, I, if they had offered, the big question is if they had offered Jose Barrios this contract in July, would he have accepted it? Um, the, uh, I, I'm, I'm not sure they would have, I guess the bigger question is, is do the twins have a, $120 million uh, contract in them. Um, they have never had one for a free agent. Uh, Josh Donaldson is the biggest contract they've ever signed for $94 million. Um, $20 million a year for a pitcher they were, uh, they liked, but maybe saw the flaws in. I, I think it was, uh, well, I think it was a stretch for them and I think that is uh, a difficult thing for the fan base to accept because there are a lot of teams that uh, that sign $20 million of pitchers. Well, look at the Blue Jays, who just did, uh, and are willing to um, lower the, uh, the expectations for what $20 million brings them. Uh, 
I, if, if I was the twins, I would have made that offer. Uh, I get the sense that negotiations with Jose were never specific. They were always, would you be willing to listen? What sort of numbers are you talking about? But there was never a, a flat contract offer on the table either way. Uh, and, uh, and uh, Jose had an agent and was sold on the idea that he wanted to reach free agency that that's where the uh, money uh, would go. I think when he got to Toronto and realized uh, some of the pitchers who would be on the market next year, realized he liked it in Toronto as well. Um, his uh, position uh, softened a little bit and he did real well. I don't know if that contract ever would have been signed in Minnesota. A couple more things for you, Phil. I mean, one reason that I don't think I would have been surprised if they would have slashed or trimmed payroll, at least this year is that, I'm having a hard time finding a realistic path for them to be really relevant in 2022. It just, it seems like even with money to spend, I mean, yeah, they could, they could hit on three or four key guys and maybe that, especially if it's on the pitching side, maybe that changes your outlook, but it's, it's a pretty, it's a pretty thin margin I can see right now for them to be contenders in 2022. Um, as, as you look at it now, I mean, it just doesn't seem like they have enough money to spend to, to patch all the holes unless they just, you know, go, you know, hit on 75% as opposed to last year's, you know, 25 to 35% of their moves. It's counting. Yeah. I think getting to the playoffs this year would depend on two, at least of their double a pitchers uh, and marginal, marginally triple a pitchers uh, getting to the big leagues and having a big impact of, uh, of, you know, bursting onto the scene, uh, even uh, even more so than Bailey Ober did. You know, and he kind of established himself as a big league pitcher. Um, yeah, I, I I too have a uh, a problem uh, seeing a path to it. Uh, they 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 are counting on a lot. You know, the Twins talk a lot about how um, more than a lot of teams they were affected by the pandemic. How they thought they had this next team uh, on the way. And then, uh, and then nobody played minor league baseball in uh, 2020 and 2021 ended up injury filled, you know, besides Royce Lewis uh, going down who they thought would be their shortstop next year. They thought a bunch of their pitchers would have reached triple a and be on the cusp and have, you know, maybe established themselves uh, with a month or two in the big leagues all of that was a setback. I, I believe they believe that uh, they are a year or two away from having a good team, but it it, it is all uh, it's all a matter of faith right now. And when I think back to last spring training, as they came out of Fort Myers, I thought they looked about as strong as I had ever seen a Twins team. Uh, they uh, they seem to have everything ready to fall into place, and. In the top of the first inning of the first game, Josh Donaldson got hurt. Later that game, the, their new closer blew the lead, and it feels like nothing was ever the same for this team. No, I agree with that. And, you know, maybe underscoring exactly what, you know, the potential and also the, the pitfalls of 2021, Byron Buxton, when he was on the field, was about as good as anyone in baseball. Um, the problem was he was – not on the field nearly enough, sidelined by two significant injuries. Uh, maybe the last thing we need to touch on here, Phil, is you know we, we've kind of seen 
bits and pieces, but there's nothing really new here. It's, it's Byron Bucks. It's got one year left on his contract. It's either going to cost them a fair amount to extend him, or it's going to bring them a fair amount of haul in return. If they wind up trading him, I guess door number three is you pay him for one more year and let him walk, but that doesn't seem really appealing to, to either side. I would think maybe the bucks inside, I don't know, but um, how do you, how do you see that piece of this playing out over the winter? I, I think that the decision is made now. I think the decision is made in December. Uh, it, it will, one interesting side note, it will be interesting to see how the, uh, if the work stoppage, which seems likely, uh, if it affects teams, does it give the, will they be sitting around? Does it give the twins time to uh, work up a Buxton trade, even though uh, no transactions can take place? Uh, uh, it will be interesting, but I, I do think that Byron Buxton is, such a valuable commodity. He's, you know, he's the kind of superstar that in another sport like uh, foot, like uh, NBA basketball, he's the kind of guy that every team is trying to get. And it doesn't make much sense to let those guys go, but it makes even less sense to let them go for nothing. I think the Twins found out that by trading Nelson Cruz, by trading Jose Barrios, they like what they got back. They think they have some good building blocks back. I think that encourages them if they can get uh, a lot back for a Byron Buxton uh, for a team that is willing to offer him. Uh, it seems obvious now a nine-figure contract, which uh, you know, which is a big risk for uh, a, for a team like the Twins to put on a guy that you know only plays about half the time uh, throughout his career. Uh, if it were up to me, I would take the risk, but it's not my money. Uh, uh, I, I, I do think that the twins are going to conclude that he's too valuable to risk uh, putting on the market at the trade deadline next year to risk, uh, you know, because he could be hurt. He could have a bad season to uh, to risk letting him walk away from nothing. Uh, I think they will con- will uh, convince themselves that the smart move is to get as much as you can for him. And the time to do that is now. So you feel like instead of an extension, we're talking about this is the most likely scenario, I guess, in your mind is that they trade him this off season. That's kind of what it sounds like you're, you're in a roundabout way. That's what you're getting to. That's my guess. That is my guess as to what they will do. I, I don't doubt that they will take one more run at, uh, at signing him to a contract at seeing if there's uh, a uh, parameter to a contract that he will accept, but uh, coming off the year he had last year and, and, Byron is always very confident that he is going to uh, stay healthy. He always seems surprised uh, when he uh, when he gets injured. I I do believe that uh, he and his agent figure the best route to maximize his value is to become a free agent, and I don't think the Twins can risk that. Well, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out as an interesting off season as well. Good catching up with you, Phil Miller. Appreciate that. And let's do this again soon. Okay. Let's do it, Mike. Thanks. So Phil and I obviously covered a lot of ground there. What we didn't get into were some of the particulars of what the twins players currently on the roster are set to make in 2022, which is pretty interesting. You know, he mentioned Josh Donaldson, Highest paid player, easily making twice as much as anybody else on the roster, set to make $21 million in 2022. Next highest paid player, Miguel Sano at $9.25 million. 
Max Kepler at 6.75, Jorge Polanco 5.5, Kenta Maeda making 3 million, Randy Dobnek and Jake Cave each making 800,000. That is it for the guaranteed money. However, arbitration eligible players, you imagine a lot of these players will be back. Byron Buxton estimated at 7.3 million in arbitration, Taylor Rogers 6.7 million, Tyler Duffy 3.7 million, Mitch Garver 3.1 million. And then a whole bunch of other players right around $1 million, including Caleb Thielbar and Juan Manaya, Luis Arias, utility player, coming in at around $2 million. To so add it all up, you've got about $47 million in guaranteed money, another $27 million in arbitration, and another 5 or $6 million if you're going to you got to fill out the roster, at least with, with Major League Minimum guys. That would give you another 5 or $6 million. So... Total projected payroll right now around $80 million, which gives them, like Phil said, if they're going to approach the $125 million that they did a year ago, gives them a good $45 million to spend on the free agent market. And obviously, that number expands a little bit depending on what could happen in a Byron Buxton trade if you're not bringing back Major League-ready talent and that. That's extra money you could perhaps spend next season if there is any kind of Josh Donaldson trade that and that frees up a lot more money depending on how much you get back and how much you might have to eat of that 21 million dollar contract so a lot of moving parts for the twins this season not the least of which being what happens with major league baseball and the you know collective bargaining agreement what happens with you know, this potential work stoppage coming up that everybody believes is looming in less than a week now. But as you can see from those figures, there's definitely room to maneuver. And if, if it was up to me, quite honestly, I know it's a risk, but if, if they're going to dabble, especially in the pitching market, I would rather see them use a lot of money on one guy than spread it over two or three okay guys. Like, I feel like the the risk reward is greater in that scenario but the the chance of having a high impact goes way up if you are able to do that fill out the fringes of the rotation with other you know maybe more cost effective moves whether those are trades um you know Phil Phil referenced the Jake Odorizzi route where they're able to get Jake Odorizzi in a trade a few years back and that worked out very well for them if they're able to hit on something like that but don't don't try to kind of piece it together with these eight to ten million dollar a year guys that probably won't give you a whole lot of bang for the buck and that could be, you know, pretty well easily replaced by lower cost players. If you're gonna take a swing in free agency, try to take the biggest swing possible and you know put that money into something that could be a home run and not just a series of infield singles, if we're gonna use analogies. So that is my two cents on how they should spend what could be about $50 million. That'll do it for the week and this show. Hope everybody had a great Thanksgiving. Some stuff I'm looking forward to over the weekend. Definitely Gophers versus Wisconsin on Saturday and definitely Vikings against 49ers on Sunday. Two very big football games. Uh, implications in both of those that will have Pretty far-reaching effects on the seasons for both the Gophers and the Vikings. I'll be interested to see how those games play out. Have a great weekend, you guys. We'll be back at it with Patrick Royce on Monday.